0: So over the weeks that have uh, preceded this one, we have been participating in a series about following Jesus. We say that as our um, vision statement, who we want to be when we grow up. We want to be people who follow Jesus everywhere. But what Jesus? Like there's a lot, I don't know if you're aware. (laughs) But there's a lot of versions of Jesus running around. And so we have uh, taken to the Bible stories to help us determine what Jesus really looks like. You know, like, um, like John mentioned in his stuff about the communion, I grew up with a very distinct view of Jesus. Uh, and it had, it had a particular way of influencing how I lived my life. And, you know, you get... Different teaching under your belt and you begin to realize, oh, maybe the Sunday school version of Jesus that I learned when I was in third grade might not be all there is. There may be something more to this getting saved and following Jesus thing that we do here. And so it's important for us, if we say we're going to follow Jesus everywhere, to know which one. And so that is the purpose of our, ser- our series that we're doing And so far, we've talked about Jesus as our good shepherd. We've talked about the baptism of Jesus, which was super cool, having uh, our friend Paul get baptized a couple Sundays ago. And last week, Bob shared some of the things, the hard things that we're called to uh, as followers of Jesus. Things like radical forgiveness. Some of the challenges we face that aren't always talked about in our really comfortable, air-conditioned American culture churches. Today we're going to continue and we're going to be looking at Jesus as our bread of life. Pretty fitting as we came this morning out of our seats and said, yeah, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the bread of life. I want to take that in. We've eaten the bread that represents the body of Jesus and we've tasted the wine or the juice, the symbol of his blood poured out in death for you and me. But why bread? Why would Jesus call him, he calls himself, and we're going to see in just a minute, the bread of life. Why bread? You ever wonder about that? Like, why not, you know, salmon? I don't know. But I think, you know, so according to this article that I found online this week. Bread is the most common food, the most widely consumed food in the world. And I think Jesus um, uses bread as he does so many things in his stories that were common, that were ordinary. I think that's on purpose because that means that he can maybe use ordinary old page. <laughs> ordinary old you. But this, this thing, bread, was something everybody knew about, everyone had experience with, right? And everybody needed. Everybody needed bread. And that makes it really interesting when he calls himself bread in John 6. So we're going to look at this scripture in John 6, starting in verse 32. Jesus said to them, his disciples, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses Who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, the disciples said, always give us this bread. I love that wording. It makes me giggle. Sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been following Jesus for a really long time, and I still have to eat. I still get hungry. I still am preparing meals and looking forward to when they come. And I often am like, man, I could really go for some water. I'm thirsty. These things didn't magically Disappear when I said yes to following Jesus. So, obviously, Jesus is saying something here beyond the physical. He's using a very physical thing, however, to communicate it. It's not Moses who's given you this bread from heaven, it's my Father who gives you this true bread. And this bread gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Come to me and don't be hungry. Come to me. And don't be thirsty. What's he saying? I believe Jesus wanted us to know this. Jesus came to satisfy us in a way that nothing else can. Jesus came to satisfy something in us that nothing else has the power to do. While most of us in this room have probably never known enduring hunger... All of us can identify with, ooh, my tummy's rumbling, I'm hungry. And we know what it is to be filled and to be satisfied. This afternoon, I guarantee I will be sitting my booty down on the couch going, yeah, full. It's going to happen because I'm going to eat and I'm going to be filled. But we also know this feeling of fullness is fleeting, right? In just a few hours, our stomachs will begin to to rumble again and say, feed me. Feed me. And our souls, like our stomachs, have longing. The separation that came through sin entering our world, humanity no longer walking in perfect harmony with its creator, brought with it a soul ache a soul longing a deep yearning to know to know to be known and ultimately to be satisfied it's built in us to need to want to have that space filled and jesus presents himself to disciples and to us and says i'm the answer i'm the thing i'm the thing you've been looking for i'm the thing that john the baptist said hey this is coming I'm the one. I'm the only one that can fill this thing, this place in your life that's longing to be filled. No amount of food, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing can fill this space. Not even sex with its intimacy, its passion and pleasure can take away the longing that we have. It returns and says more, doesn't it? Jesus says, with me, You can be full. You won't hunger to know any longer. I will be the one who satisfies you, and it will be forever. Now, looking at that scripture, we see a reference to another time that bread was given from heaven when Moses was dealing with hungry, grumbly, complainy Israelites in the desert. Back in Exodus 16, the children of Israel are walking through the desert and they begin to whine. I would have to. I'm just saying. And they say this, Moses, why did you bring us here? Oh, you know, you can just hear them being such babies. And yes, we had pots full of meat in Egypt. We were so, even if we were slaves, we weren't hungry. Like, why did you bring us out here? We are going to die, and it's all your fault. Well, God heard their grumbling, and he told them he'd send quail for them at night and this stuff called manna for bread every morning. He told them through Moses that they'd wake up and see dew on the ground, and it would dry up, and these little flakes would appear, and they could collect it and make it into bread. Now, here are the instructions that God gave. This is Exodus 16, starting in verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is about three pounds, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much didn't have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little everyone had gathered just what they needed then Moses said to them no one is to keep any of it until morning kind of if you know if you're a saver that kind of messes with you a little bit you know why can't we keep it and some people pushed that However, some of them paid no attention to Moses and they kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. Good times. And we learn in the verses that follow that in preparation for the Sabbath, the day that no one was allowed to work, they would collect two days worth and it wouldn't smell. Isn't that interesting? I think it's kind of cool that God provided in that way. But what does that have to do with us? Nobody's providing magical flakes on the ground for us to eat our bread every day. What does this have to do with Jesus as our bread of life? Well, Jesus provides himself as every day's portion. Following Jesus isn't a one-time deal. We love this idea that we pray a sinner's prayer, we maybe get baptized and, woo, got my Jesus ticket. Getting on that train. Woo-woo. We like that idea. And the reality is, we're needy. We're needy people. We need Jesus. We need him each day, every single day. We would not, Americans, look at me, <laughs> we would not feed ourselves one day of the week and never feed ourselves again for the rest of the week. We would be unmanageable. <laughs> We would be evil, horrible, awful if we did that to our physical bodies. But we do that with the bread of life. So often in my life, I have come in on Sunday, woo, raise my hands, get my woo, get my praise on. We get excited about coming together and hearing the stories, and then we go home and it's status quo. It's just doing the stuff, going to work, making meals. Coming home, washing dishes, laundry. And we starve ourselves spiritually because we don't spend any time taking in the bread of life. We don't savor him. And listen, this is not a guilt trip about reading your Bible. Let me just say that. No one is going to tell you you have to go read 14 chapters of the Bible every day or do devotionals or pray a certain way or pray in the morning and pray at night. This is not about how we spend time with Jesus. It's just about being with him. Reading the Bible and doing devotions, those are wonderful tools to help us grow. But the desire for the person, remember, those of you who are walking with Jesus, remember when you first Felt his love for you. Think on that. You were drawn to a person. You were drawn to his kindness. You were drawn to his goodness. You were not drawn to reading ancient text at 5 a.m. Though that's a wonderful thing. We find him there. That is one place that we can meet with him. But you were drawn to the person and the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. And his saving grace and his mercy and his love and his kingdom. You were drawn by him and he's the one that wants to be with you. He's the one that wants to feed you. Be it by scripture reading, be it by devotions, be it through prayer, be it by sitting in stillness in the quiet and being with your Savior. He wants, we've forgotten how to just Be with him. I never knew for a long time how to just be. I was a spiritual doing instead of a spiritual being. I'm going to do these wonderful things for Jesus. And if I do everything just right, then I'll be approved and I'll be good enough for Jesus. And we think that we know, we think that we've got this idea of, you know, I'm just going to do these things and and it'll make me closer to Jesus. But we get tripped up in our doing. We get tripped up and we make it about ourselves and about being good enough rather than just focusing on his goodness, his perfection, his love, his power. It's not about me. So I need to be filled with bread. I need to be filled with something that sustains me that's far greater than me because I am not and never will be good enough. I can't do it. That's why he had to come. He had to save us because only he is good enough. Only he is the bread that sustains. He wants us to acknowledge him in our very busy lives. He wants us to acknowledge his presence and his power in our lives. And not not to bring our checklist. And I love a good checklist. Checklist. Jesus does not want to be a checklist. He's a person, and how do we treat the people that we love? We spend time with them. and Sometimes we do a really good job at that, and sometimes we do a really sucky job at that. And that's true of our relationship with Jesus as well. Sometimes we forget that he wants to spend time with us But he wants to be in us. He wants to move as we move. He wants to breathe as we breathe. He wants to speak as we speak. He doesn't want to just be a good start to your day. He wants to be the day. That's a radically different thing for Jesus to be the day every move every breath, the very sustenance of our being, the food, the fuel, the bread that gives us energy and power. Jesus gives us himself as sustenance and rest. Jesus gives us himself as sustenance and rest. Now to close today, we're going to spend a little time being with God and participating in an exercise called imaginative prayer. Now, some of you are familiar with this, and you're like, oh, Paige is doing that thing again. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Some of you have never done this, and so I want to give you a little bit of information. This is simply another way of praying that can help us experience God's presence and the truth of Scripture. Okay? This isn't anything crazy or new-agey, I promise. God is simply always with us. And this type of prayer helps us to slow down, slow down, and open ourselves up to God. You'll be using your imagination to picture yourself in a particular setting. Feel, hear, and see with your mind's eye. The most uncomfortable part will be the long pauses. And the reason for that is we're not used to long pauses. We like our entertainment. We like to be, have our mind distracted all the time. And the first way the enemy is going to come into this exercise is to try to distract you with your phone, with your spouse's sweaty hand, I don't know. But distraction will be something that he wants to use to take you out of experiencing his presence. So I encourage you to have a heightened awareness of what is happening inside you, okay? I don't want you to miss whatever God would have to show you. So will you try it with me? Okay. I'm going to give some directions, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into this. Um, today the, the imaginative prayer is based on the story of Elijah. Um, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 19, all right? So the first thing we're going to do is kind of slow down and get into a comfortable position. What I'd like for you to do is maybe even spread out from... If you're, like, sitting close up on somebody, you might spread out. Just get... But if you're comfortable where you are, stay there. That's fine. But get comfortable. If you have stuff in your hands or um, on your lap, maybe put it to the side to where it's not going to be a distraction for you. Because we're going to ask God to help us focus solely on what he wants to show us. And once you're comfortable... I'd love for you to take a few deep breaths and close your eyes. So if you'll just continue breathing, if you'll breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Inhale deeply enough that your chest expands, that you, your body can feel this breath. As you continue taking slow Deep breaths. Allow your mind to slow down. Letting go of worry. Letting go of fear. Release the tension in your body. You may not even realize you're holding it. Just let that go. Let stress flow from your muscles and relax. Continue to breathe slowly in through your nose and out your mouth. And as you breathe in, imagine God is breathing life, love, and peace into you with each breath. As you breathe out, imagine things that are weighing you down. Stress, anxiety, fear. They're leaving. Feel yourself sinking deeper into the presence of God. Father, we present ourselves to you we offer this time to you. Guide us as we focus ourselves on your word and your presence. You are an observer on this scene. You are out in the hot, dry desert. You're sitting under a bush that somehow gives you protection from the worst of the heat and the sun you see a man coming your way and he looks exhausted he walks without looking where he's going he seems to be talking to himself the man approaches another bush not far from you and flings himself under it you hear him crying and talking this is what you're able to hear. God, I've loved you and I've obeyed you. I've risked so much for you, always doing everything you've ever asked me to do. I've suffered for you and people have rejected me because of my love for you. You've shown me cool things. You've let me be part of wonderful stuff. You've given me peace and joy. But now... None of it even seems to matter. I'm exhausted. I'm afraid. I'm so alone. Are you even there, God? I'm running for my life. People are after me and they're trying to kill me. I'm starving and thirsty and tired. I can't stop shaking. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Just let me die. Lying down. The man whimpers in his distress for a few moments. Then his breathing deepens and he falls asleep. Suddenly, the man isn't alone. Someone has appeared right next to him. The visitor builds a small fire and bakes some bread. When that's finished, The visitor kneels beside the sleeping man and gently shakes him awake. When the man sees the visitor's face, he cries, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Oh, God, help me. God responds, Eat. Eat. That's all you need to do right now. I know everything feels overwhelming. It's okay. Take a break and have some food. When you've regained your strength, then I'll show you the next thing. And God disappears. The man sits up and sees the bread and a jug of water. He eats, he drinks, and he falls asleep. You turn away from the man. And see, God is now kneeling next to you and preparing another loaf of bread. God turns to you and he smiles. He picks up the loaf and the jug of water and offers it to you. Rest and eat. That's all you need to do right now. That's all you need to do. Rest and eat. Don't worry. Don't try to figure everything out right now. Just rest and eat. And God disappears. As you sit in this scene, I just invite you to receive God's invitation to be in his presence to rest and to be